0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. fell Felder Rushing, and we've got the lines wide open. The lines are here for us to talk about gardening, anything related to gardening. And uh, if you've got questions or want to share something or maybe you're trying something and Um, or you're not sure if you really ought to do anything at all. I'm really good at that. You know, my default is live and let live. Don't worry about it. And if it's causing problems, let's come up with the the best solution for everybody, your plants, your garden, yourself, your neighbors, the wildlife, all that kind of stuff. I'm not not all tree-huggy and all like that. I don't mind recommending chemicals if you need them, but a lot of times you mostly just need somebody to hold your hand about stuff because there's a whole lot of things in my garden that, there's nothing I can do about. Well, we can talk about that kind of stuff. But meanwhile, lines are wide open. I appreciate before we get to the callers, all the folks last week who supported MPB during our our pop up drive time. It was a pop up drive time, and and we got quite a few supporters. I think it was it, 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 it was fun to do. And I'm gonna be sending out pictures of my little possum pogo. After that, Uh, Java, everything okay with all that?
2: Yeah, we always appreciate our um, supporters. And I don't know if you know this, but they always kind of fall on a Friday.
1: Well, because because gardeners are going to step up. Well, yeah, we got squash to share too. <laughs> hey, maybe that's what we need to do next year: is uh, support MPB by sending bushels. Of, nah, better not. <laughs> well,
2: well, I know. Well, I, to bring some gardening into the building, Jason had got a tomato uh, just yesterday from somebody in the building who has a garden, and I could tell it came from the garden because it wasn't because, perfect. Because no, well, it wasn't perfect, but it had a nice. Red uh, look. It it looked flavorful.
1: So it was sun ripened, as we call it. There sun we go. Was not well, from the store? Yeah. Well, I picked. Uh, I th- I'm not sure if I sent you. Did I send you a picture of my of uh, my purple pod peas last week? Yeah, you did. Okay. I just want to let you know that that I actually. For the first time in 11 or 12 years, I have a summer garden. It's a little garden. It's like 30 feet by 4 feet, a little skinny thing inside of my house. But i got corn and beans and squash and sweet potatoes, and i am actually made my first ever green bean, homegrown green green bean casserole.
2: Oh, I knew you was going to put casserole. Yes, sir. (laughs) Well,
1: you know, and all the recipes call for using cream of mushroom soup. I'm not a mushroom eater, so I went to the store, and I found cream of celery. I found cream of broccoli. But I found... And my, my horticulture friends around the country, I email them pictures. They could, only in the South are you going to be able to buy a can of cream of bacon soup.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's start out this morning by talking with John Collin from Jackson. Hey, John, how are you?
3: Oh, as always, 10 years younger just hearing your voice.
1: Well, whoo-hoo. What's going on, man? What can we help you with?
3: Well, this may sound perverse, but... I grow plants mostly to enjoy the insects associated with them.
1: You're not eating them, are you?
3: Uh, Well, actually, they're a good source of protein.
1: Yeah, and low cholesterol. Absolutely. And and some of them clean your teeth while you're chewing them. Anyway. (laughs) After
3: all, if you like crawdads and shrimp, how can you... Uh, find that too odd.
1: That's right. That's right. So, anyway, so what, what's, your, what's your latest? You grow them just to, to photograph them or to enjoy them or, 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 or because of pollinators or what?
3: Well, it's, it's, a, it's a variety of things. Mostly it's a fascination with that jungle out there, all yeah. those complicated beasts doing remarkable things. Yeah. And uh, not just the sweet butterflies, but the parasites, the predators. But here's what I'm concerned about. Milkweeds support a wonderful variety of living things adapted to their uh, their alkaloids. Not just the famous monarch, which is so endangered, but a beautiful, brick red longhorned beetle and mm-hmm. all yep. sorts of stuff. And milkweeds have been declared public enemies by the Department of Agriculture. Huh. They are uh, endangered, too. So, I like your advice on growing native milkweeds in Mississippi. How how to get them, how to grow them, anything that might interest people in these, uh, to me, astounding plants.
1: They are. As a matter of fact, mine have a really pretty, uh, I don't know what the adult is, but the larvae of some kind of true bug. It's uh, some kind of. uh, 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 it's a true bug, but their larvae got black legs and bright orange bodies, same color as some of the flowers.
3: Yeah. Uh, Things that that are, that taste unpleasant in the insect world tend to advertise it by being bright and beautiful. Yeah. And, uh,
1: well, but to to, to get you question, there, are, there are quite a few milkweeds that are sold commercially, but most of them by kind of esoteric mom and pop type places, mail order type. And there are a few local garden centers that will carry different kind of native uh, milkweeds. One of the milk native milkweed vines is an extremely, even though it's native, you know, it can still be extremely invasive. Matter of fact, it's hard to get rid of, uh, and it's a real vigorous vine. And and by the way, folks, if you're not sure what a milkweed is. If it's got milky sap, you know that's a good indication. There's other plants with milky sap also, but anyway, there are some really weedy ones. My favorite, though, uh, John, is actually not a native, at least not to North America. They call it the tropical milkweed, mm-hmm. and the reason I like it because it's a it's a garden quality plant. It gets up knee high, waist high. It blooms nonstop. Unlike the natives that bloom and then go, this blooms all the time and you can root it from cuttings and on the coast it'll come back after a, a normal winter but May i don't like a it.
3: comment on that milkweed yeah it's been shown to be detrimental to monarch butterflies
1: actually that's a myth i'm real familiar with this i've been to the i mean i work with the folks in texas it's a problem uh along the uh, the rio grande when the mix, when the the uh, the monarchs uh, when they migrate south in the winter, they congregate unnaturally along those where they naturalize naturalized along the, 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 the subtropical parts of the country, yep. and they stay around, and, and, and problems build up in that. But as a garden plant in Mississippi, that's not a problem. It's really not.
3: Okay, and, and the monarch will, and other
1: insects will take it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a terrific plant. It's a garden-quality plant, which is important because it's a gardening program. But the natives are important too. But you have to have a wide variety, and there's you know, over a dozen species. Uh, but they're not ve- very showy in the garden, and so it's not going to pass that test. But anyway, the tropical one is not a problem in Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, because uh, when it get a frost, the butterflies keep on going. It's where it's stays in bloom well into the winter, that's where it causes a problem. Mostly along the Rio Grande.
3: Oh well what about the natives?
1: they're, they're you know I I don't discriminate on whether the plant is native or not. If it's a good garden plant, that's what we're talking about. I'm past president of Native Plant Society, but again, it's hard to convince people to grow these things in a garden if they're not very showy or they don't perform for very long. See, so you know, unfortunately, no, not fortunately. The fact is, this is a garden-related program, not so much along the the roadsides and stuff like. But we do have plenty of cowhorn natives, a, a a lot of good native. Uh, uh, Asclepius is the Latin name. Yes. But, but you know, it, we have a good bit because we're not spraying and mowing as much as we used to. So, anyway, it's a really good topic. I, I'd love to talk with you some more about this sometime, John.
3: Well, thank you so much. That's, this has been enlightening and interesting, and all those wonderful critters that can live with
1: milkweed. Thank you. All right. Appreciate your call about that. All righty, how about that? Guy who grows uh, plants just to enjoy the bugs. And I enjoy the bugs on mine as well. I really do. But let's slide up to Corinth, up to the icebox part of Mississippi, although it's not very icy right now. Hey, Mike, what's up?
4: Hey, uh, I had uh, heard you mention several times about a vine, a cross vine, uh, which I'm assuming it's related to trumpet vine. Nope,
1: nope, nope. Not, not related, but they look sort of alike. They both have tubular flowers that you can stick your thumb in.
4: Okay, I was wondering where I could get those. We we have one local nursery in addition to a big box store, and the local nursery had them last year, but but not this year. And I saw a website where you could order the seeds, but I didn't know... How
1: effective the seeds might be. At well, I, them. i've I've seen i uh, I've never seen crossvine seed. Although mine is loaded with seed, mine have got um, they look like flat bean pods, almost like a wisteria. You know, they're long and they're flat, like beans. And mine are loaded with it. I, I grow mine on a on a vine arbor, and I grow both the crossvine, which blooms in the late winter. You know, usually be, before last frost, full bloom in I'm gonna say March or so, late February, March, or first part of April. And then the trumpet creeper, or trumpet vine, starts to bloom in uh, June, July. You know, it's more of a summertime thing. Uh, both of them are really vigorous. Both of them are native. Both of them tend to be a little aggressive if you can't walk around them and keep the little sprouts from coming up. But uh, I've never seen, I, I don't know anybody's growing from seed. They must grow from seed because they're all over the place from seed. So.
4: Yeah, I have a trumpet vine now, and it is, it is blooming now. I Just uh, transplanted it several yeah. years ago from off the roadside. Well,
1: let me let me suggest you get your local garden center. You know who orders plants? You know all the time. Tell them next time they put in their order to order a variety of cross vine that's called Tangerine Beauty. A regular cross vine is fine. but Tangerine Beauty is uh, is a, is a has a lot more flowers, and it blooms a lot longer. But he can get those through his normal plant channels if he wants to.
4: Is it the wrong time of the
1: year to set those out or plant the seeds? No, it's, it no. Well, it's too, I don't know about planting seeds. Usually, the seeds ripen in the late uh, late summer and fall. But you know, I, I just have to. If you'll shoot me an email, I'll give you detail about that. But I've you know, mine are loaded with seed pods. I just don't know the best time to plant them because they're so easy to just dig plants. Matter of fact, I dug some up a couple of weeks ago to share with a friend of mine from Meridian. So uh, anyway, um, it's the wrong time for garden centers to be ordering plants because most of their their stock comes in in the springtime. But anyway, look for the the cross vine called Tangerine Beauty, and there's actually a a trumpet creeper that's got yellow flowers. It's called Flava, I think. Anyway, there's some cool varieties of the tough native ones, but if you see some growing, if you know what cross vine looks like, it's got two pairs of two leaves. And then a stem, and then two pairs of two leaves, you can dig it up like ringing a bell.
4: So they bloom in late winter?
1: Yeah, late um, winter, early spring.
4: That would be true for North Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Yep. Okay. So, anyway, okay. shoot me an email and, and we might can, can take it a little bit further.
4: Okay, thank you very much. Enjoy your show.
1: All right, appreciate it. By the way, folks, in, uh, in a few minutes, we're going to talk to a guy named Herbie Austin who helped me succeed in my garden. We're going to talk to him about in, in just a few minutes after break. But first, let's go to Aaron in Meridian. Hey, Aaron, good morning.
5: Morning, Phil. How you doing, man? So
1: far, so good. What's up?
5: All right. I've got uh, some potatoes. Uh, I planted red potatoes in my garden this year, and I've already harvested them. Uh-huh. How'd they, how they do?
1: How'd they do? They're
5: fantastic. Wow. They uh, did great.
1: Well, before we get to that, how'd you do it? Did you mound stuff up? Did you grow them in buckets? How'd you grow them?
5: Well, all right. So, um, I've... I, we're trying we're trying to do the no-till thing
1: mm-hmm. and
5: uh we've got really 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 packed uh it's essentially packed dirt they yeah. did some excavating where they built the house it's yeah. really pretty poor dirt but we're, we're getting it there yeah but anyway uh i went and got it the last seed potatoes i could find uh were at the lauderdale county co-op in meridian um i couldn't find any anywhere else so i found those and i brought them home and kind of got in a rush because i didn't really know I didn't know how long I had to plant them or whatever. Yeah. I went out in the garden, in the pouring rain, it was pouring down on me. And I'm sitting there uh, in the rain, and I mounted, I did little mounds, um, but I did them the size of, you know, maybe like just a regular old hill in the garden. Nothing, yeah. no large mound. And then I just covered those mounds. I put them right on top, covered them just a little bit, and covered those with just a thick, thick layer of hay.
1: Mm-hmm. And
5: just left it under the hay. And once they started coming up, I... You know, I kind of mounted hay, kept adding, kept
1: kept adding hay to it. Yeah, that's right. that's what yeah. people don't realize. Of Irish potatoes, grow on the stem above what you plant if it's in the right. darkness.
5: Well, and that's what we did. We just we just piled hay on top of it, and finally, when they and you know, when they died, we harvested them. This time, we're going to do it just a little different. Um, we've got the same hay that is in the you know that we we piled on top, we piled some more on top of. It was already there, uh-huh. and we're just going to do it, no dirt, just in the hay itself.
1: I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I mean, no, okay. no, experiment. I encourage experimentation, but we already know that they grow better roots in dirt. In dirt. Yeah, okay. I mean, because soil, d- d- dirt holds nutrients, it holds moisture better than 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 mulch does. I mean, you can grow okay. stuff in mulch, but it's going to have a really weird root system, and uh, dirt is better for roots. So, uh, okay, either... If,
5: that was really, really hard packed dirt,
1: yeah, and and by the way, you know what cottonseed meal is? I do yeah, get you some cottonseed meals uh, once or twice a year, a light dusting over your stuff, and that'll provide protein for the worms and bulk them up, and they'll go down deep, and they'll dig your dirt deep for you the the kind of worms the the big Night crawlers, they have vertical Correct. tunnels, and they'll come up at night okay. and eat the hay and the kite sea meal, and take it way down deep, and that'll provide air and water and root. They'll dig your dirt for you. Just feed okay. your worms, and they'll do that.
5: Okay. All right. Well, my question on this is the the ones that we harvested, uh, we're going to use some of those for seed again. Um, do we need to wait till they sprout, or can you just go ahead and put them right back in the ground and let it sprout from the c- ground? What's the best c- way to do it?
1: A couple of things, and, and, and this, is, you know, this is based on a lot of experience. You know, I, I stay in England a lot, and I, I have friends up in the Midwest. They plant potatoes for summertime. But the mm-hmm. problem is, these plants don't do well in our heat and humidity and our hot, hot, humid summer nights, and they get diseases. So we found here in the South, is better. These they, they like to grow in cool climates, not hot climates, and okay. they'll freeze. If they plant them up north in the wintertime, they'll freeze. So we try to plant them in late February, March, maybe first part of April, and try to get a harvest before it gets so hot that it kills the plants. Okay, see, okay. so in general, we're looking at uh at late February, March, maybe first part of April, although that's kind of pushing it, and then, if you have some seed potatoes, plant them sometime in let's say the end of August, so that the okay. plants will come up, it takes about a hundred. Uh, three and a half or four months to get a good harvest. See, so if you plant them, you know in the in the late in the middle of summer, August. I mean, excuse me, late July, first part of August. There's a good chance you'll get a harvest before the vines freeze in the fall. So, you know, okay. I would skip the middle of the summer for potatoes. They just don't okay. like it in our in the, in the deep south.
5: Okay, and on the size of seed potato, you know, we have them. We have really large ones. We got little bitty ones. I was gonna go with just golf ball side, a little bit bigger than a yeah, golf ball. That's fine. That's, that's fine. All
1: right. that's, fine. Okay. that's fine. All right then. Well appreciate it, Felder. Let us know how it works, man.
5: We'll do, man. We'll do.
1: Okay, appreciate right. it. Yes, sir. Okay, we've got a, a caller on on hold, but we're gonna take a real quick break and um and when we come back for the break, if Tom, if you'll hold on, he's from New Auburn. It's toll free, so don't worry about about that. But when we come back, we're going to talk just a, a couple of three or four minutes with my friend Herbie Austin, who is uh, sort of the garden center guru of Mississippi. A lot of great garden centers, a lot of locally owned nurseries and garden centers. And um, I like to, to talk with Herbie because he's been at it for forty years. So he doesn't really care what he says. He can tell it like it is. And if he can sell you something, that's great. If he does think is best for it. He'll tell you that, too, and I respect that. So anyway, we're going to come back and talk just briefly about what you can be doing this time of year because garden centers are starting to shut down a little bit for the summertime. Anyway, horticulture's fell to rushing. Java Chapman, my producer, and other folks at MPB, we'll be right back right after this.
6: Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever it is, we're here to help. Find out what we're all about and subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by
7: downloading our MPB public media app.
1: All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Like I said, we got Herbie Austin on the line. Hey, Herbie, how are you, man? What's going on, man? You staying okay? stayin busy? I am
0: just a little bit this
1: morning. It's... You know, I, I stopped by yesterday to get me some tomato plants because a lot of people don't realize you can plant tomatoes in the summertime. And, uh, you know, before my old ones start to peter out, I got me some new ones coming. But um, it was raining, so he had a chance to kind of chat a little bit. I think that this is going to be a great weekend for people to get out and try some new stuff.
0: I think it will be, too. Uh, you know, like you say, you can still plant tomatoes and all. And, of course, a lot of people don't realize you can still plant a lot of your garden. Your okra can be planted again, snap beans, uh you and I discussed this. Corn can be planted again as long as you just watch it you know, spray for your insects.
1: Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, but I noticed that uh, several gardens that i visited around the state, y'all are starting. This is one of the first springs in a long time where you're just about out of plants. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just great. I mean, I'm th- not, not talking about the blueberries and the shrubs and things like that, but, but uh, you know, the bedding plants, people who have never really gardened before, has that been your experience?
0: Yes, sir, it has. And they have really cleaned us out on flowering annuals and perennials. Well, I, I a know. a good thing.
1: Yeah, it is a good thing. But it got some some coming along, which is which is good, because garden centers sell hope as much as anything. reason I want to call, I stopped by with my friend Jesse Yancey. Jesse is a gorilla gardener. He gardens on a street corner that's not even his property. And uh, every now and then, we have to come in and get some more dirt for his garden. <laughs> And, you know, I, I give this, this fruit tree talk, uh, homegrown fruit talk there at, at Hutto's every uh, every uh, winter, and I don't do it for pay. I do it for dirt. So I, I came up with this idea that every time you look up, uh, me and Jesse are going out and grubbing. It, we're, we're like the dirt possums. <laughs> we're grubbing around, digging up dirt around the sides of your bins that, that fell out of the bags and all like that. So you got any other dirt possums like us that come scavenging for stuff?
0: Actually, I've got one tomato grower that comes in scavenging a little bit, but I mean, he's been with <laughs> of me for umpteen years, like
1: this. Well, the main reason I want to talk first of all, I encourage people because the weather's good, the dirt is diggable for the first time in a lot of Junes, and there's plants available, and it's actually cool. I think this would be a great weekend to put stuff in the ground or make a raised bed or maybe a, a container garden.
3: Yes, it sure would be. But the, great-
1: The 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 main thing though I wanted to thank you for because about a month and a half ago I started a new garden and I I got you know you helped me choose the right kind of varieties because you know corn and beans and peas and stuff like that varieties make a difference and you had me plant a Louisiana purple pod uh, string bean or or. Uh, Yeah, they are the prettiest thing I ever saw. They are so pretty, and I cooked them. I made a big mess. I made asparagus casserole, but I forgot you didn't tell me you got to string them. Yep. You don't just snap them and cook them. The guy's string, you got to pull out of your mouth. (laughs) So, anyway, I'm living to learn. But I said I was going to blame you if the garden didn't work. Well, I'm calling to give credit because I got squash, I got beans, I got zinnias, I got corn that's blooming. I've got uh, uh, what else? Squash. Well, I already said squash, jalapeno peppers, and tomatoes. And I just want to let you know that I can not only talk the talk, but thanks to you, I can walk the walk.
0: Well I I had a note to say I was going to brag on you for the garden you but you made this year. It looks super.
1: Well, you know, it's a little thing, but that's but that's okay. Hey, it hey, may it, make. it makes me feel better than my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Herbie, I know y'all are busy. Back to work. I hope, I, I hope they work your tails off this weekend. I do too. Appreciate it, man.
0: I appreciate it, Fowler.
1: Yeah, Herbie, uh, local garden center folks been at a long time. They know you. They know your name. They want you to succeed they, enough to come back. Uh, some of the other places, they don't care if you come back or not. But it's, it's always good to support local garden centers because they're trying to do best for their community, and I appreciate them all. Now, let's slide up to New Albany. Hey, Tom, thank you for holding, man. What's going on?
7: Uh,
6: well, good morning. How uh, I'm about to be building a deck mm-hmm. off the back door and uh, the pad was packed about, i say a year or so ago. It's on a mobile home
1: uh-huh.
6: and where stuff has started to grow again. It's going to be 13 away and 21 long. So it's, you know, it's a pretty large area for the deck, but right. where, where that area is going to be covered. There's a few places you got various uh, bits and bobs of grass and other annoyances that, you know, you weeded them down or whatever. But once I get started building on this deck, I want to know if there's something I can spray down there or something I can do that will just prevent anything from growing. Just just kill it. Yeah. Earth.
1: Well, there there are herbicides like that. And that's what they're called. They're called bare earth herbicides. They use them around power substations and, and other places where they don't want anything coming up. They don't have the management to come back. Right. One, one of the problems with these is some of them Will drift, and if it mm-hmm. rains, they'll 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 wash away, and they'll kill anything downstream. So and it's been a long time since I since I, I checked on those kind of products because you know they're they're pretty narrow use. Um, so I, I don't know any brand. If you shoot me an email, Tom, I can come up with some. As a matter of fact, I'll call Herbie Austin, who I just talked to, because he right. he knows these kind of things, and I can't keep track of it. But here's what I suggest. I have uh, one, two, three, four, five. I have six decks in my yard, most of them around, but they're big decks. And, uh, you know, once if if you are just put down, you know, we need it really good put down some of this weed barrier cloth, and then build over it, most of the stuff won't come through the weed barrier, and it won't have enough sunshine to actually grow. So right. That, well,
6: so, I, I was, what I was thinking was kind of like, you know, the weed barrier, but I wanted something maybe as a as a, a backup plan, so to speak, to make yeah. sure. And as far as downstream, um, it doesn't slope too hard away. Yeah. For well,
1: that, yeah so just, out, just,
6: but then once that yeah. ends, in the next year or two, I'm not going to be worried about vegetation there either because it's going to get scraped down. There you go. And, dug down and there's going to be a pool. So yeah, yeah. I'm not really yeah. worried about it. Well, again, just, get... just,
1: just be aware, some of these bare earth herbicides, they're, they're very powerful. They're long-lasting, and they can kill a tree that's got roots in the area, and the tree could be uh, 30 yards away. So I'm just saying be careful yeah. about those things. And I really think that a, 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 unless you're going to put space between your boards, you know, then I think, you know, just going and building your deck and putting some weed beer down, that alone will keep, all, you know, pretty much all of them uh, uh, under control. That's been my experience.
6: Outstanding. All right. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, good oh, luck. I hope Pogo's doing okay. Pogo's <laughs> doing
1: fine. I, I got Pogo where, where he'll let me scratch his back, but I had to get him used to my hand with Vienna sausages. Uh oh! <laughs>
6: You're gonna spoil that. you gonna spoil that, boy. That's so. okay.
1: That's okay. He gets one. I get one. Back and forth. Back and forth. <laughs> Appreciate so, it, thank Tom. You, again,
6: thank you,
8: you
1: bet. Thank you. All righty. We got some good calls here for a while. Uh, I've got a a, a tune, you know, even though it's not a hot, hot summertime, it's sort of like uh, summertime you'd find in England or New England or something like that. thought I'd play a little uptune for y'all. We're going to take a real quick break. Uh, Got some callers uh, coming in now. It is a call-in program here at MPB, but we're going to do a a little cheesy kind of uptune type thing called Hello Summer. Uh, By the way, um, we'd like to mention that if you're going to be – we're knocking around the yard this time of year with all this rain, you're gonna see some mushrooms. Mushrooms, toadstools, puffballs, stinkhorns. These are the flower version, a fungus version of a flower. We have a lot of moisture, kinda of cools down, warm, cool, moist you're going to see a lot of mushrooms. For the most part, they're not a problem. They're really not. And the lawn, the mulch, the flower beds, they feed on decaying organic matter, which is a good thing. So anyway, if you see mushrooms popping up this time of year, don't worry about it. Just don't eat them, okay? Just don't eat them. We're going to take a real quick break, some cheesy music, come back with some phone calls here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
3: Bum, bum ba da I try to keep my cold, my phone is always draining, yeah. then I miss my bus, wait It brought the wrong drink, they told me I should chill, sorry I can't, mm-hmm. the story of my life, every day is the same, Come on. it's early in the morning, when I'm still yawning, please pull the curtain cause the sun hurts my eyes, hurt. summer's up boring, winter is snowing, wish you were free like a bird in the sky. Hello summer,
4: I just...
1: all righty folks welcome back hello summer and by the way when you give us a call our phone greeter today is the is a wonderful wonderful producer named liz gill we appreciate liz sitting in there being the, the the phone greeter today Um uh, let's go to Startville and see what michael's up to hey michael how are you hey
8: great man happy, uh, happy friday there Felder. thank you thank you hey, um the gentleman just called about uh weed control mm-hmm. and um and uh Uh, Your recommendation was um, bare earth, uh, scorched bare earth. No, he wanted
1: wanted to do that. I was trying to steer him away from it.
8: Yeah. All right. I'm a cell site technician, right? Yeah. uh, And uh, companies like Crown Castle, SBA, whatever, they have a lot of weed control to do. And what they do when they build the site— is they'll put uh, sheets of uh, plastic down on uh, the ground
1: uh-huh.
8: and then cover it with gravel. Now, yeah, I, I don't know what size. like it's, it's a little bit larger than pea gravel. Yeah. I don't know what the technological term for that is. But that might be a... a, um, a yeah, that's an alternative.
1: Yeah, and that but the gravel also further keep the 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 weeds from getting kind of light they need and hold the plastic down in case they want to kind of push it up. But that, that's a good idea. But I yeah. think I think a physical barrier is a lot better yeah, than a no, chemical barrier.
8: Yeah, the the sheet plastic is, is really the key yeah. to preventing weeds. And then and then they just come up come by and do spot uh, weed control like around the fence line and stuff like that. Yeah, and,
1: and that's and that's in Arizona in the sunshine under a deck. He's not going to ha- even have near as much problem.
8: Exactly, exactly. Okay. So, I, don't, I think it might be more expensive than probably a chemical solution, but uh, probably a little, a little bit happier. Not too,
1: you know. re- it shouldn't be. I mean, you know, a, 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 a container of herbicide is going to cost you, you know, 15 20 bucks. 20 You can get a roll of plastic a lot cheaper than that a little bit of gravel thrown on top.
8: Yeah, it'll be a couple yards of gravel probably. Yeah. But, but still, you know.
1: Good, okay, g- so Good suggestion. Thank you, sir, Michael. Appreciate it, man.
8: Yeah. Have a great weekend. Thank you.
1: All right. Appreciate that. Got the lines open, you want to give us a call, toll free, one eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh by the way, I got an email from uh from an uh, old friend of mine, a a co worker, a co professional, and at one time my boss, a guy named Richard Mullinax from Startville. He was a uh, head of the horticulture extension horticulture department and uh fruits fruit scientist, fruit specialist, and uh, I've I've known Richard since, whew, 1970s. But anyway, he called and said he's getting a little irritated because so many developers, he walks around a lot like I do, developers are planting fast-growing plants that don't really like it here, instant gratification. And the one in particular he was talking about is sort of a pet peeve of mine, too. It's called Leyland Cypress, L a l e y Leyland Cypress. It's a pretty tree. It's a good Christmas tree. It's a fast-growing tree. But I studied plant materials for landscaping at Mississippi State back in the 70s. And Lester Estes, my professor, he taught me back then that Leyland cypresses are fast and troublesome. They have problems with root diseases in our in our soils. They have problems with leaf diseases, and there's not a good control for any of them. So Leyland cypresses, if you've got to plant them, plant them is a temporary thing while something better is planted back behind it. Leyland cypresses are real fast. They're instant gratification, but I get a lot. And here's a problem: the Leyland cypress is a hybrid between two conifers. One is native to the mountains of the Pacific coastline. Cools down at night, and the other is an Alaskan plant, and both both his parents like cool weather, which we don't have here. Anyway, I appreciate him sending uh, uh, a note about that. Uh, Let's go now to uh, to Tremont. Hey, Joey. Good morning, sir.
3: Hey, Fowler. How you doing
9: today? I'm
1: doing fine. So far, so good.
9: Okay, I got a squash question. Uh, Is there such a thing as blossom end rot on squash?
1: Um. Maybe. Blossom end rot is a lack of calcium in a fast-developing fruit, tomatoes, peppers. I can see how it might be a problem on squash, but are these really small squash when they're doing it, or are they big?
9: Uh, they're about half in size of the index finger.
1: Okay, that's that may just be lack of pollination. You know, if you don't have really good, if you don't have male and female flowers and bees taking pollen from the male to female, what looks like a squash can get the size of my finger or bigger and then just rot because it's not developing because it didn't get. That that little squash is not a squash until it gets pollinated. It's just a part of a female flower.
9: So well, the, the bees and all kind of flying creatures are all over blooms
1: there. Yeah, Uh check and make sure you have male and female flowers open at the same time and the bees are working them. Males are on a little stem, females are on in what looks like a little squash. And if you don't gotcha. have both of them open at the same time and the bees working both the flowers you know, like I say, they'll get a, and also with all all this humidity and rainfall, I wouldn't be surprised to get some diseases on that real tender, fast developing squash. M- Mine are doing the same thing.
9: Well, hey, all I could think of, you know, I've had it on uh, tomatoes before. Yeah.
1: Well, if you and put,
9: it, it reminds me of that. It's reading a cold ass. If
1: if you put some uh, put some lime out in your garden, agricultural lime every. I'm gonna say at least every three or four years, not more than every couple of years. Every two or three, four years, put some lime out there. uh, Then you know that'll pretty well take care of the calcium deficiency, which is what causes blossom end rot. So
9: would it be okay to spray the squash with blossom end rot? A uh, stalk spray?
1: Sure. it's just, All that is a liquid calcium fertilizer. I don't don't mix it stronger than what directions call for, because even though it's just fertilizer, it can burn the leaves of plants. So it's a spray late in the day or in the morning and don't overdo it.
9: Well, I thought I'd do it by half strength.
1: No, you know, full strength if I just don't, you know, middle of the day, too strong, that'll burn the leaves.
9: All right. Well, I sure do appreciate it.
1: I want to ask you something. Do you plant squash yeah. just once or do you keep planting it over and over again till, till you get tired of it?
9: Uh, well, tell the neighbors pull a gun on me when I <laughs> when I bring some
1: squash. <laughs> well, the reason I'm saying it because I planted squash for the first time in in my little garden. This house is built in the 1940s. There's never been a vegetable garden there before that. It was just woodland. Never been squash planted in decades. I planted squash and boom, squash vine borers found my plant. So I'm going to replant and cover it with some nets.
9: Did you stick them on needles?
1: No, I I, I didn't catch it until it was too late. So I'm just Uh going to replant and cover them with some nets, keep that little little moth off of them.
9: Well, I'm too lazy to do the net, so uh, I'll just put up what I get.
1: Good luck on it. Good luck on it. Appreciate your call, Joey.
9: Thank you, sir. Have a good weekend. Thank
1: you. Now let's go to Bush, Louisiana, and talk with, is it Angsley? Angsley. Angsley. How are you?
10: Well, I'm greatly blessed, too blessed to be depressed. Well,
1: there you go. Well, what can we help you with?
10: Well, um, I have a question and just wanted to say we have a bunch of stuff planted, and we've had the best garden this year we've ever had because I've been stuck at home more, and and, uh, so I've had time to really keep up with the garden and had wonderful tomatoes and peppers and all kinds of stuff. Uh, My question, I'm trying, I want to root some camellias and blueberries and tomatoes, Uh and I wanted advice about rooting them. Should I put them in water? Is this the time of year to do it? How do I do it? It's
1: it's some good questions, and all three of those will root, but they all three root at different, some are easier than others. Tomatoes are root in water. I mean you can pull those little suckers off tomatoes and they'll they'll root right in water, no problem at all. Uh camellias and blueberries also root in the summertime, but they need high they need bright light, not full sun, but bright light, indirect light, and they need a lot of humidity. So what I would do is I would take short cuttings, uh, strip the bottom few leaves off and put them in some moist potting soil. Put them in a place that's bright but not direct sunshine, and then make you a plastic, a clear tent to put over them, sort of like a like a little greenhouse to keep the humidity high, and uh, that that's real important. Blueberries under the best conditions are hard to root, uh, because you know we you know it took them a long time to break, figure out how to do that, and they do it with a a fogging system that keeps it humid all the time, and uh, so. If you make a little greenhouse, maybe uh cut the bottom off a, a clear cola bottle and use it as a uh you know over individual pots or just make a little hoop tent with some uh p. v c or rebar or something like that uh even coat hangers with some clear plastic like a little miniature greenhouse that'll keep the steam in does that help
10: uh, uh yes, it does yeah. Uh, so, a uh, year is okay, but it needs, it needs to be covered with a...
1: That's right. They, they, they need light to root, but if the sun shines on them, it dries them out real fast and raises the temperature up too much. So bright, indirect light, you know, not in full sun, and then that humidity. And then uh, at least once a day, lift it up and just wet them down to create a little steam in there. And just okay. uh, just good, good good quality potting soil.
10: Well, I have some on hand for that purpose, yeah. but I wasn't sure how to get started, whether to start in do, water do,
1: or... Does your potting soil have that white, crunchy stuff called perlite in it?
10: I don't think it does, but I'm not sure. Okay. Well, go to
1: any garden center and get a little bag of this stuff called perlite, P-E-R-L-I-T-E. It's like looks like little white, crunchy, tiny bits of popcorn. And if you'll mix that with the potting soil, potting soil will stay moist, but the perlite will help drainage so you don't rot the cuttings by keeping them too wet. And, you know, okay. you could do it with sand. You know, a lot of people root in sand and perlite or potting soil and perlite or perlite and sand. So in any combination, doesn't stay too wet or dry out too fast. And uh, you, get, you get little soil? little bags of that stuff.
10: How about potting soil and sand? Would, that wouldn't work?
1: It, it, it would. The main thing is you want to keep the plant humid and moist, not wet. And, uh, you know, you go to a garden center, there's some some commercial potting soils already have perlite in it. It's that little white crunchy stuff. miracle Grow comes to mind. You know, I don't sell anything in particular, but I know it's got perlite in it. But a garden center will know what you're talking about.
10: Okay. Thank you for your help. Okay. Program. Good,
1: good luck on it. Appreciate that.
10: Thank you. God bless you.
1: Thank you so much. And uh, he said... Um, is that a lot of people are being real cheerful. Uh, we've got lots of time to take some calls, got some calls wide uh, the lines wide open. You don't want to give us a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh before we get to that though, let me let me throw this out. Uh nineteen forty five, going back a little bit a second musical done by the team of Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein called Carousel it came out in 1949. One of their songs was real popular. I learned to sing it in both high school choir chorus and the church choir. Um, and I mean, everybody's covered it. Elvis has done it. Everybody's done it. Um... But a group called Jerry and the Pacemakers did it in 1963, and it became the theme song of the Liverpool Football Club, their soccer club. Liverpool, last night, for the first time in 30 years, won the English Premier League. First time in 30 years they've done this. And uh, I thought so I thought of this song, but get this. It's not just about, uh, about football and all like that. Some of the lyrics are important for all of us right now. All of us right now, we'd like to play just the first first tune of this 1963 hit by Jerry and the Pacemakers called You'll Never Walk Alone. When you walk
3: through a storm, hold your head up high and don't The end of the storm
1: There's a goal Very fitting for these weird days, folks. You'll never walk alone. Uh, let's um, get back to gardening, though. Let's talk about roses. Lisa Strayhorn is calling. Hey, Lisa, how are you?
7: I'm fine on this rainy day.
1: Yes, indeed. But it's, it's, um, it's good. It's what makes our, tr- our roses grow?
7: Well, not this one. Uh, it's my neighbor's, and somebody planted it for a couple of years ago. It's a little tiny, like tea rose. Uh-huh. But the hole is... I think it's stuck like a hole straight down. It's in like gravelly uh, up by a house, uh-huh. and it's not doing well at all, and it's about dying again. So I was thinking about digging it up and making a hole bigger for it and replanting it.
1: Yeah, that's always good. Uh, you know, shrubs, what happens here, uh, Lisa, is when we, when it rains a lot, down deep fills up with water, and deep roots, they drown. They rot. So they end up with shallow roots under the because of our heavy rains, and then those shallow roots are subject to drying and heat and all like that. So it's better to have a wide root system than a deep root yes. system.
7: This one doesn't have any root system because the other two rose bushes have bigger holes and they were yeah. planted, and this one wasn't. And it's just it's it's stunts every year and it's getting ready to die. It's got a little tiny pretty rose in it, and it blooms one time, but do you want hurt to do it this time of year?
1: Well, you know, not, not if you're going to save it, but do this first. Go ahead and cut it back. It, you know, when you cut a rose back, it takes immediate stress off the roots, but it stimulates healthy new growth. So it does two things: it'll save the root, the, the rose from being dug in the summertime, it'll stimulate some strong new growth. And then dig the hole. I'm going to say it: if you don't three feet wide, that seems crazy. But no, no. I've done the
7: last one. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it was good.
1: And if you'll if you'll just take a little bit of organic matter, some bark, some compost, potting soil, any any kind of organic matter, and just stir a, two or three shovels full in with the native dirt. You know, you don't want to overdo that. Uh, then right. then that'll help. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Good luck, and, right. uh, and uh, do it as soon as you can because it could get hot real soon.
7: Uh as soon as it gets raining.
1: There you go. As as and, and, and one last thing, don't keep it wet after you do that. Water it really good, but you know, no more than every week or two, you because know, okay. too much water is worse than not enough.
7: Yeah, it'll kill
1: him. Yeah. Right, thank you, sir. Okay, appreciate it, Lisa. Okay. Right. okay, now let's go on to to Lion. Homer, you know not many people know where Lion is. Uh Clarksdale is a suburb of Lion. There you go. There you go. What's what's up?
7: <laughs> That's it. Um uh, I, I'm growing greens. I, I got beds that, and what I'm doing now is just kind of keeping them broke up, dissing them about once a month.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, so when I get ready to plant in August, about the middle of August, the last weekend,
2: August,
7: uh, yeah. is it anything that you suggest, uh, putting in the dirt to actually condition it. I wanna ask you about is sawdust a no no? If I can find a sawmill and put some sawdust in it from the wood cuttings, is that a good thing, a bad thing?
1: Well, it's 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 both good and bad. Anything you add to your dirt fluffs it up like crackers in a bowl of chili. Anything you do is gonna improve the soil. The problem mm-hmm. with sawdust and any kind of fresh bark or any fresh stuff like that as is it when you mix it with the dirt it starts composting it starts getting uh, eaten by bacteria and stuff which is good but they use nitrogen for their bodies so they can temporarily pull fertilizer away from your plants so if you're going to do that don't overdo it and then make sure that you give your plants a little you know, sort of you know instead of just fertilizing once when you plant set them out Give them a little bit of extra nitrogen at a time over uh, you know the first month or so, in other words, sort of supplement that a little extra not not triple thirteen or not the whole thing, but just nitrogen to to sort of compensate for that stuff breaking it down. If you go ahead and work it in now, you know pretty soon and throw a little nitrogen in with it, it'll be ready to plant without all that problem at all in by by August.
7: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. A lot of times what I do now, I I take a little bit of urea. I don't like using synthetic fertilizer, but I
1: will. Yeah.
7: Just a little bit. And just take it and break it in about a week or two before I actually, you know, do my sewing.
1: Yeah. Well, if if you can put the sawdust in before, you know, pretty Uh soon, and throw a little urea on it and, you know, put the sawdust at the... Put a little urea on, and then working into the dirt together, that urea will help the sawdust break down before you ever get around to planting. And 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 you know, if you plant before, what's the earliest you plant in greens to still get something?
7: Well, I try to get them in around the middle of August and keep them pretty wet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. They, they you get along a season that
1: way. That's right. A lot of people don't realize you you know, of course greens don't like it in the middle of the summer because they get bitter and then the heat burns them up, but uh but uh late July, August, middle of August, towards the end of August, you can still plant plenty of greens and for a for a good fun, and they'll be ready to harvest just when the when the weather starts to cool down and they get sweeter.
7: There you go. All right.
1: Thank you, Phil. Okay, Have good luck on it, Homer. Appreciate it. All right, bye bye. Okay, and let's slide up to Startville. Hey Graham, good morning. Morning. What's up? I was
2: going to comment on on your uh, reference to Dr. Mullenax's uh, criticism of, of non introduction of non-native plants. Uh, three summers ago, a distinguished uh, lecturer from the University of Delaware, the biologist, bi- probably an ornithologist, I'm almost sure he was, uh, also commented on how how foreign plants, non-native plants, don't provide the the uh, insect uh, Parasites that uh, that the uh, uh, songbirds need uh-huh. to multiply, and I commented on the the manner in which they, that has has helped reduce uh, the number of songbirds we have have around uh, now. And I think I heard in the past year that something of the order of four billion birds have have disappeared in the last fifty years. Mm. For usual, anyway, I just thought I'd add to that. Uh, Another reason why foreign plants, um, non-native plants, have a grave disadvantage to the to the biology of the area.
1: Yeah, and, and I would agree with that to a point, but the truth is a lot of native plants are not good garden plants. Poison ivy comes to mind, and some oaks are real thugs, but uh, some of the introduced plants are, are actually very good for, for wild zinnias, you know, for example. But there's, there's quite a, a, a lot of, I, I rec i recommend native plants— as much as practical, but there's some really good non-native plants that are supportive for, for, uh, for wildlife. But anyway, great point, though. I appreciate that, Graham, a whole bunch. Appreciate your call about that. Whew, we're out of time, folks. Out of time. Congratulations, Liverpool. Go Premier League. Yes, indeed. Um, But congratulations to those of you who are going to take a kid out to a garden center this weekend, today, tomorrow. Take them to a garden center. Get them a big pot that they can't quite put their arms around. Fill it with some potting soil. Let them pick out some kind of culinary herb or a vegetable, some flowers, something that shows them, help them learn how to do what we do best and let's get dirty. It's a good weekend, folks, to get out and do some stuff. we got problems with insects and disease, blah, 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 blah. Shoot me an email and we'll work through this together. Remember, as long as MPB is here, you'll never walk alone. ¶¶